0: I'm going to pray for our nights. God, thank you for this time that we can gather, and it's so good to be back together, and I wish it was uh, like Christmas break where it was four weeks, but I'm thankful that we're back uh, still nonetheless. Uh, it was so, f- so fun to see new faces and-, and get to connect with people and just hear about their spring breaks, and God, I just pray you speak to us now as we just just make time to open up your word. God, we just believe your, your word is living and active. And God, if we would just open it up and read it, God, you would change our lives and you would speak to us, uh, whether individually when we're at home or uh, at a coffee shop or wherever, God, you speak when we read your word. And um, we just pray that would be the case tonight corporately, that wherever we're at, whether we've known you forever, uh, for, for a long time, or, or, or maybe we haven't put our faith in you yet, that you would just speak. Help us just to, to be present, too. Uh, it's exciting being back. There's so many things um, to start a term. We're thinking about syllabus shock, all the different things going on. Just help us just to be present now and uh, speak to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, welcome to Real Life. Those that I haven't met yet, my name's Chad, and um, I'm the college pastor. And I hope you guys had a good, good spring break. Who went the farthest away? Anyone? Just yell out. Of, where, where at, Jacob? Okay, Mexico. anyone beat Mexico? Okay. <laughs> Philomath? <laughs> I went Gots me be. I went to Boise. That's the farthest I went. All right, well, I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, I can't believe how fast that uh, spring break went. Um, I had a couple pictures I wanted to show you guys. Man, I think it was March 19th. We uh, had some baptisms, and it was so cool. Those that couldn't be there, I wanted to share some of the bas- baptism That's Thad, and uh, there was like six people in it, and I think actually two more, so there was seven or eight um, that just have several people just got, they just spontaneously just wanted to get baptized too, and so it was a beautiful, beautiful time. Uh, it was really cool just to see what God's doing. Last term, we had, I think, two different times we had, or maybe even three times we had baptisms, so... Uh, If you're wanting to get baptized, talk to us. Shasta is going to be a place for that, too. Uh, We're going to definitely have baptisms there. Um, So, well, you can turn to John 13. You should be getting a sheet. Raise your hand if you haven't got one yet. It should be coming down the aisle. Oh, right there, just as we speak. So John 13, uh, you can turn there or just actually pick up the half sheet. So it's hard to believe we're two-thirds of the year uh, over, you know, Two-thirds of the the way through the school year. Uh, You know, each year at the end of spring, how many of you guys are seniors, by the way? I just wanted to see, oh man, there's a lot of you. Raise them up high, you know, you're seniors, you're out of here, yeah, yeah. Uh, How many of you are maybe moving or transferring after this term? A few of you, yeah. So there's, uh, the reason I bring that up is every spring, we have a time at the end, you know, week nine, I think it is where we want to honor those that are moving on uh and those that are uh, graduating and it's kind of like a farewell address you know the real purpose is to encourage uh and prepare uh, you guys as we do that uh, uh for the future so we give some encouragement we you know there's maybe some warnings or some instruction from from us that have gone a little bit you know we're not that much further down the path but maybe a little older than you guys uh but 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 the idea is that, man, we just we want to encourage you and, and instruct you and, and give time to pray for you that you would remain faithful. Uh, so there's going to be a time of that week nine. And the reason I bring that up is John 13 through 17, what we're looking at this term is kind of, I shouldn't say kind of, is Jesus' kind of fa- farewell address to his disciples. He spent three years with these are his closest friends, and, and we're going to be uh, brewing this next 10 weeks in John 13 through 17, and just kind of checking out uh, just these things, these truths, these powerful things that Jesus shares uh, with his disciples. It's, it's literally his last message he gives about 24 hours before he willingly goes to the cross. And, and he kind of makes you wonder, like, what advice would you give? If you knew tomorrow you were going to die, what advice would you give uh, to your friends? You know, what, what would you be, where would your mind space be? Um, but it's pretty amazing to see that, that our Lord and Savior took took those last, you know, that, that evening, that last supper to hang with his boys and just share, hey, these are these are things that, like, these things matter, uh, and, you know, things for me that came to mind was, like, man, I would probably share with people if I knew tomorrow's my last day, man, don't sweat the small stuff, <laughs> and it's all small stuff, you know, don't, don't live, and that's not to belittle people's problems, it's just, like, we just realize in light of eternity, some of the things we struggle with, and, and our fears and anxiety, myself included, uh, are just, like, that they don't really matter a lot of times. Some do. Some are hard. We live in a fallen world. There's hard things. Uh, but some uh, we, we focus and fixate on that, that, that really don't matter. Um, another thing I thought of when I was coming over here is if I had advice to give would be, you know, just be quick to forgive. Man, it's so important. I, I've learned in my life that if I don't forgive quickly, like, roots of bitterness can, can, and they're, like, can start taking root, and they're really hard to uproot those. It's a lot of roots I just used uh, in that term. So, anyways, if I didn't lose yet. But but the reality is, that, man, I, that was something on the way over. I was like, man, I, I want to be a person that's quick to forgive. Um, anyways, but this is his last message. Jesus is preparing them for what's coming. So, in J- John 13 through 16, we're going to see in the next few weeks, Jesus gives them an example, or several examples. He warns them. He instructs them. And he basically says if they would obey, they would remain faithful. And, and so... We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but man, the power in obedience—it's uh, so powerful. If we would just follow Jesus and obey His word, uh, and then in verse or chapter 17, there's this amazing. And, and I would just encourage you for the next ten weeks, if you want, you can read the whole Gospel John, or you could just pick like four, uh, you know, or the five, or four or five chapters that we're going to look at, and just take time methodically reading through it. And I, I believe God's going to speak to you. But I love John 17, the whole. Chapter John 17 is a prayer that Jesus has, that he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for future followers. He prays for us. Like hours before he goes to the cross, he's praying. You're on his mind. He's praying for you. He's praying for believers. I mean, this this is just epic stuff. Powerful. Um, That's in John 17. And so we just what's so amazing about this these these passages? I'm excited. Is that Easter's this week? And we're celebrating uh, when Jesus came and died for our sins, and he rose from the grave. He didn't stay dead. He conquered sin and death. Um, and so these passages are going to be great. And, and what we really see in Easter, and we're going to see throughout John 13 through 17, that, that there's no greater love. Like You can search your whole life, and people have gone on record doing that, looking for, for love, looking for love in all the wrong places. I think that's a song. But looking... For love, and like their, their reality is, is, like I can tell you, I'm 40 years old now. I'm not saying that's super old, but I'm 40 years old. That's a little bit older than you guys. I just turned 40, and I can tell you that there's no greater love than what Jesus offers you. And, and I just pray that that would sink in as we're studying this, this term. And just a little background really quick before we're going to break out and do our group activity or our read together. Um, John's gospel is a little different than the other three synoptic gospels. And synoptic simply means to see together. Uh, those Gospels, they, they kind of work together. They present the life of Jesus in a similar way. Um, they really focus on what he, he taught and did, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They kind of focus on what, what, what Jesus taught and what he did. Um, whereas John focuses on who Jesus is. And you're really making the case that he's God. He's not just some rabbi, some teacher, some cool dude. Like, he was God, the son of God. Um, And so we really see that in John 20, 31, Um, and and I'd encourage you, if you have a Bible, man, underline this. This is really, like, you know, theologians or, like, uh, commentaries really, I mean, this is kind of the purpose. I love that when authors say why they wrote something. It really helps me, because I'm, like, not the smartest, you know, not the sharpest tool in the shed, if if you will. But, like, sometimes it's really nice when when an author says, hey, this is why I wrote the book, Uh, and John says that in John 20, 31. He says, uh, "But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name." So he gives us two reasons why he wrote the Gospel of John, and I would again encourage you to read the Gospel of John this term. It went—it's only, you know, 20, uh, 20 or twenty-one chapter. I mean, it's not that—it's not a huge book. And it's so life-giving, but he says simply uh, that it's written to show Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is real, like he's ultimate authority and ultimate reality. Like he is real, and, and you can have a relationship with him. He's the living God. Uh, and, and then it, the other reason that he wrote it, it says right there, is to invite people to believe in him and have life, and life more abundantly. Not just a, uh, We talk about eternal life. It's not just a, a quantity, but it's a quality. Like, eternal life is on and on and on and on, but it's also a quality of life that you can have walking with Jesus right now to and from your classes, from your job, whatever circumstance you're in. You can have this abundant life right now that's promised. So my prayer for us this term as I was studying today and before we go into groups here to read John 13 is just that we'd fall in love with Jesus this term together. That tonight, even just reading, I mean, I I was telling Ryan before, like, man, I'm just always convinced that if I would just get up here and read God's word out loud, that that has the power to change your life. I don't have to preach. I don't have to, like, commentate on it. Like, I could just read it, and I think we would change, be changed if we'd be willing to, like, receive it and obey it. Um, and so I just want to encourage us as we go to groups now that we would just tonight be prayerful about, man, just, man, be open to to how God would speak to your heart and and be willing to, to, to live it out, and that we would fall in love with Jesus more. So we're going to read that section uh, in groups, and there's like four or five questions. God, God we just want to pray again just as we read now and and uh, just study it further. Would you just uh, reveal more of just your love and purposes uh, for our life? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now that you guys have read these 20 verses, um, I'm going to lean on you guys to be scholars and uh, help me out here a little bit. Well, let, Let's read... Together, uh, just the first four verses, and we'll talk. I'm going to do four little, do it in sections, and we're just going to talk about it briefly. Um, But verse one. Now, before the feast of Passover, and and which is really cool. Wednesday tomorrow is is Passover, so you can read about Passover in Exodus 11 and 12, uh, if you want to know more what Passover is. Um, We're not going to have time. I'm not going to go a a ton into it, but uh, you'll see some stuff here in a minute. Uh, But Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from, su- from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. And so we see here, um, I just want to look at verse 1 really quickly. Look at the, the words, his hour had come. So Jesus had approximately lived, you know, scholars say about 33 years, had lived his life on earth uh, for this very hour. Uh, look at John 12, 27. And there's other scriptures throughout John where he talks about the hour. Uh, for this purpose I came to this hour. Uh, verse 3, Jesus had come from God, we see uh, here in the text. He came from God. He came from heaven to earth, and he's going to go back to, to heaven again. And he has ultimate authority, we see here in, in, the, in verse 3. It's just like, man, there's authority because it came from God. Um, and so this is uh, just an amazing just declaration here that we can see that, man, Jesus is fully God and fully man. And when we want to understand, that means, you know, he was without sin. He lived a perfect life. Uh, he was about to be a falsely accused uh, and killed, uh, but, it came, but he came for this purpose. That's why he came, uh, and he's saying that right now. It wasn't a surprise to him. Like, he kind of already knew. You can see that in the text. Uh, he came to die for our sin, and it was God's plan and will for Jesus to die and pay for our sin. God didn't want sin. You know, the Garden of Eden, when he created the garden, he wanted to walk with us in the garden. He wanted this beautiful relationship. Uh, but when men and women chose, when Adam and Eve chose uh, to, to go out of God's will, and, um, then, then sin entered the world. And we've living in a fallen world, a Genesis 3 world, where there's sin and death and hurt and pain. Uh, but that was not God's design. But in that, in the Old Testament, to solve that problem so, so people could have relationship with the Holy God still, uh, they would sacrifice innocent lambs, and, and, and they, would, they would shed an innocent lamb's blood, and it would cover for the covering of someone's sin. And so we see that in the Old Testament, and the Bible says that Jesus is our Passover lamb, 1 Corinthians 5-7, uh, that he is that Passover lamb, that, that innocent blood was shed for us, and it covered our sin. And so, in the Old Testament, they would cover; they would, sh- you know, kill the innocent lamb. And in, in, in Exodus twelve, um, when they were leaving um, Egypt, and again, you can read this more on your own time. But they would; uh, they were told to put the blood over the doorpost, uh, and and God's wrath would pass over the houses that had the blood of the lamb on it. And so, you see this Old Testament picture uh, of Jesus, and we see. That he is our Passover lamb. Uh, John says that he's the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so it's beautiful that Easter's this week because this is all what Easter's about. So he perfectly, we understand he perfectly paid our debt. And you may be here and you might be like, what debt? You know, like I don't, you know, I'm a pretty good person. Uh, but we can always do the test. And, and the test is simply like, how do you stack up against the Ten Commandments? Like, and and I, I'm willing to bet the myself that I'm, I'm over. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not batting a thousand on those. And so that's um, the test is we've all sinned. There's no one perfect here. And, and if you're here and you think that we're just, we think we're just a bunch of perfect people and, oh, man, you guys are holy rollers, or I don't know, maybe you've, you've come and you just you think that you have to get your stuff together to be a part of this community. And it's like, man, welcome. You're welcome here. We all are, are sinners. You know, we've all messed up. We miss the mark. And, and our sin separates us from God. I mean, we've all... Lied at some point, probably. You probably have coveted. I don't know. Like our pastor always shares it when he talks about coveting. Is like, have you ever been to Costco? Like, it's like you walk into Costco and I I just like, I want that. I want that. I want that. um, But I can't afford it. So that's coveting. Uh, We've we've all you know you know lusted after something or or at times uh, gotten angry. uh, Where really Jesus defines anger as like hatred and and even this this idea of it's the same as equal to murder. Uh, Maybe you've loved something more than God. Like I I know that hit me when I was studying this week. I was like, man, God, I don't want to ever love something more than you. Um, So we all miss the mark. No matter how big or small our sin separates us from God, and without Jesus' death and resurrection, there's no exchange for our sin. And we see that, uh, this beautiful exchange in the gospel of Jesus. We must believe in Jesus and receive him as our Savior. And if you're here tonight and you've not done that, you can do that. You can do that right where you sit. You can do that when you go home. But you can like put your faith in Christ in such a way you know that you're saved. And you can start living for him. Verse 5. Let's continue reading in our text of chapter 13 in John. After that, he poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you will have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only then, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to be washed his feet, but is completely clean. And you clean And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. So we we want to understand here that that Jesus was not only God in the flesh that John's making that case for, but he was also a really good teacher. He was a a gifted teacher. He gives his disciples a humble example. And it's stuck around now for 2,000 years. We still see people do this at weddings uh, I remember we got. I was at a, a Shasta leader meeting. We came early to Shasta. It was, I was in. Um, I think I was a junior in college, and uh, the leaders w- like washed our feet. I'd never had that happen before, and at first I was like, kind of like thinking like Peter's like, ah, oh, this is a little awkward. What's going on, you know? But it, but it was like beautiful. Like it was humbling. You know, one you, to see a person like get low and humble themselves that that you respect and look up to, but yet just to receive and just be like, wow, this is an example of just how we can love um, people well and and elevate others above ourselves. And this wasn't typical of a rabbi; like this was not what teachers did. Uh, but he does this example, and, and, and we know it's not typical because one, Jesus already called out the rabbis and teachers in Matthew twenty three. He calls them out. He says, "For they." Matthew 23, verses 4 through 6, For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues. And so we want to understand that Jesus not only was a good teacher, he was a different teacher, uh, and he came and modeled servanthood. And the idea in the first century is so different than now of like washing people's feet. Like, I would hope like when they washed my feet when I was in college, they were like, "Oh, those are pretty clean," you know, other than the foot fungus. But that's a whole nother. No, I was kidding. <laughs> that's a whole nother story. But uh, uh, no, just like agrarian culture, first century culture, they wore sandals. They they like walked everywhere, so they would have been really dirty. And we just can't quite picture. It's like going to Shasta. Anyone? went last year, it's like, it takes like two weeks to get that clay off your feet. Come Not to scare you, no, it won't, but like, you know, maybe, but, you know, mud's good for the feet, right? Exfoliation or whatever, I don't know. Anyways, but it, it was a humbling thing to do. Verse six, verse six real quickly, Peter wasn't sure. We see this like kind of like hesitation. He wasn't sure if he wanted Jesus to wash his feet, and you know, I don't know. Like, some people just don't like their feet touched, too. And my wife, she, she doesn't like her feet touched. Like, she had, she had, when she was a, a, a young girl, she had, like, a, a big splinter getting her foot. And they had to, like, really dig in to get it out. And so, you know, some people like their feet massaged. Not my wife. Like, she'd probably smack me if I massaged her feet. Uh, but so I don't know why he didn't want his feet touched. Um, but he, he didn't understand what Jesus was doing. Jesus says that. Jesus was modeling selfless act here. Uh, and, you know, leaders didn't do this, but he, he was modeling this as his leader. And, and in, eight, he's, in verse 8, Jesus says, If I don't wash you, you will have no part with me. So Jesus kind of gently corrects Peter. And then Peter's like, okay, I surrender. Wash, wash all of me. You know, he's like, just wash me all clean. Uh, and, but it's funny because a moment ago he tells Jesus he was doing too much. And now he's telling him he's not doing, you know, he's doing too little. And so you see this kind of like this flip-flop on on Peter, and, and he seems to want to kind of tell Jesus what to do. And when I was studying today, I was just thinking, man, have I told God what to do in certain areas of my life? And, and I'm like, yes, I have. And, and I just even want to challenge this, man. Where in your life have you just been like, you know, God, you really need to do this? You know, Peter was notorious at that. You know, like We like to give him a you know, a bad rap, because he was probably the only disciple that really spoke his mind, uh, but, but he, you know, he spoke sometimes quickly, and, and, and sometimes he didn't understand what the Lord was doing, uh, but he was really kind of like trying to control the situation a little bit, and I think it's important that, man, is there places in your life that you've just said, okay, God, will you do this, as opposed to saying, God, what's your will here? Like, I surrender. I want, I want your will, your way, uh, and, and I just want to challenge us to think that whether, what you, you fill in the blank. And so we see a servant's heart isn't just to serve, but also accepting the service of others. And I think that's important that we see that from Peter. Like, it's not just that we have a heart to serve, but you also have to receive. That's like the idea of a servant's heart. If we only serve and refuse to be served, it's a sign of pride. And I think it's so important that we have to get, we have to always be in a place that, man, we're just one beggar, you know, pointing another beggar to the source of life. Like, we have needs. And take those to the Lord. Take those to your community. It's so powerful when you, like, show up. And even what Ryan was sharing afterwards, if if are in la, the last worship song or so, if you need prayer to, to get prayer. It's powerful, not only for you, but for the person that gets to pray for you. It's, it's, it's a powerful thing that God does. It's intimate. It's beautiful. It's what he's designed us to do in community. And so, don't be above that, but ask for prayer. We all have needs. We must let God do a work in us, and let others help us. You know, James. We talked about this fall term when we did the book of James. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'll bring up Matthew twenty-three if you could, really quickly. I wanted to share this too. Matthew twenty-three four through six says, "For they bind." Oh no, Matthew twenty-three. It should be another one. Eleven through twelve. Maybe not. There it is. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So we just see this message of, like, man, just humble ourselves. Be humble people. Verse 10, Jesus, he responds to Peter's idea of a full bath. And he says, you're you're already clean. You've put your faith in me, and you're all clean except for one. You know, he kind of alludes, you know, passive aggressively, someone in our group said maybe, but he just alludes to Jesus, or Judas, sorry, that he's not clean. And what we want to understand here is, like, he's talking about, like, salvation happens in a moment. We shared about that a little bit last term. Like, in the moment you put your faith in Christ, you're saved. You're born again. Uh, but discipleship, it takes a lifetime. And when he's talking about, like, your whole body doesn't need washing, he's talking about in Exodus 29, like, this idea, like, when the priest became a priest, he would have his whole body washed one time, and that was, like, when he became a priest and started serving the Lord. And then every time after that, like, if he, if he had things that uh, came up that made him unclean or whatever, he would wash his hands, um, or he, he would uh, just wash part of his body if he was defiled. And so, man, there was this one time washing, Jesus is pointing out, but, man, there's, the rest of our life in discipleship is becoming more like Jesus. It's like, man, we, we get defiled or we mess up. We, we, man, we just ask God, hey, forgive me. I confess this. First John nine, confess to the Lord. Uh, and he forgives, and we move forward. Let's keep going on. Verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? Verse 13, you, shall call me, you, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So again, we see this, a great teaching method is to demonstrate something, which Jesus did, and then ask questions. Uh, the reality is, like, um, someone shared this with me years ago, like, uh, and I don't know if the stats have changed a little bit, but, but man, we can only, at, at the, it's funny, at the university level, most of what we do and receive information is lecture, right? And I think it's like 5%, maybe on a good day, 10% of, like, that you can retain, which don't tell your professors that, but... Because they'd be like, what? No. But that's, the, that's like reality studies show that like may, maybe 5% that you can retain. But then there's 30, you can retain up to 30% if you not only hear it like through a lecture, and then you see an example, which is like, you know, Jesus is okay. He's speaking it. He's modeling it. Uh, so you retain 30%. And then, then you can even grow, like, next level when you start doing stuff like what we just did in groups, and that's why small groups are important, or just even studying God's word together. Like, up to 50%. see. do it, up to 50% when you, like, are in groups. Uh, so lecture, see group. And then 90% if you teach it. And why do you think you can remember more when you teach it? Anyone? Because you mess up. <laughs> and you always remember... Uh, from your mess ups, like I've, I can't tell you how many times I've got up here and I've said things. I'm like, oh, I, I mean, I, I don't know why I said it that way or it came out that way. But you just remember, and it just like does like when you wrestle through text and you, and you mess up and you and you go back to the Lord and you just confess it. Like you remember, and so there's this beautiful thing. But not only that, but the, the, there's just like this power. And so the whole point is, is like, man, as you're learning stuff, as you're growing in God's Word, man, don't just let it just settle right here, like, man share it with someone and it's amazing like the group that shared about evangelism like people are actually really receptive more so than i remember on this campus in a lot of years there's a hunger here guys like we talk about no greater love this culture has duped people like there's a hunger here and people are seeing and 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 seeing what is real truth and they're falling in love with jesus And, and you could be someone that could bring someone to christ God could use you as a vessel, a tool, to bring someone to His kingdom that would forever change their family trajectory, their history, from generation to generation. Like, isn't that awesome to get excited about? There's a hunger. And so that open up our mouths. When you're learning something, you don't have to have a, a, you know, a Bible degree. You, you could just be saved a week and just be in the gospel of John, and, hey, did you check out this, man? Look what Jesus did. man, He changed my life. And look at what he's doing in Scripture, man. He's changing lives. And so just share. And again, that's just a way that we learn. So Jesus in verse 12 says, do you know what I've done? He gave him example. The disciples may have you know, still been confused on what type of leader he is. You know, they might have still thought he was a military leader that was going to overthrow the government and, and bring world domination back uh, to, to Israel. Or, um, but he wasn't that type of leader. He was a servant leader. He showed selfless acts of elevating others by taking the place of a servant. Uh, he was preparing them to be other-centered uh, leaders and preparing them for when he was uh, going to leave. So you guys were in groups. How do we become other-centered? What are, what are some ways in that question in there, like, how, is there anyone just want to throw out there, what's, what's a way that you can grow other-centered or elevating others? Christ-like love, you know, someone. Anyone? Holy Spirit, yeah, what else? Prayer, Prayer, yes. Practice, Practice, yeah. Dying to self, yeah, all these are great. Anyone else? Serving each other, other, yeah. Yeah, all those are amazing. I mean, what we're going to, I think the way we do it is we look to Jesus. Like, you look in John 13 through 17, and you want to grow in, like, other-centered. Like, he's about to go to the cross, and he's pouring into others the whole way. He's all in. And, and so I think looking at Jesus' life, uh, serving and just doing it, like actually serving, like it's amazing how we can get out of our ruts. At uh, times that I'm struggling, you know, I get in my head and I'm all about, you know, kind of navel-gazing. And then I just start serving others, listening to others, praying for others. And it just kind of changes my perspective. Uh, and, and it just takes humility and grace. Um, and again, that comes through prayer and connecting with Jesus. And we see that in verse 16. He says, A servant is no greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. And Paul makes it really clear on this too, the same thought that Jesus is having in Philippians 2. Uh, you can read along with me. Powerful text. In, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in the human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Christ Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." And so we just see this amazing humility in Christ. So let's look to Him. That's how we become uh, Christ-like and Christ- uh, or other-centered. Also, look at verse 17 really quickly. A thought there is this: I, I love this verse when it just says, "If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them." And I think that's a challenge. Again, anytime you're reading Scripture, like you know, like one of those questions I put down there because I like to, I like to, when I'm studying God's Word, always ask like, "What's to say about God?" What's the saying about God? And what's the saying about man or humanity? And, and how am I going to respond to that? And I think if you use those three questions, that's a great way to, to study God's word. And, and it simply like just challenges us. Man, it's a profound challenge is that blessed are you if you don't just hear it, but you actually act upon it. Jesus modeled how to live, but we have a choice to live it out. Like It's our choice if we're going to follow Christ or if we're going to follow the world's way. It's not about what you know, too. Like, we can get really about knowledge in our head, and don't get me wrong, we're on a university. I loved, I got my master's here. I love education. I love knowing and learning stuff. But it's not about just head knowledge when you're following the Lord. It's about, like, moving it from your head to your heart and responding to Him. Uh, It's, you know, the real thing is, like, it's not about more information. It's about more uh, transformation. Like, Like, how do we... Follow the Lord. How do we take what we learn and what we're hearing and actually apply it to, like, how we live? And will we be different for it? Because he promises blessing uh, when we walk it out. He promises that. And it, and I've seen that when people start following the Lord. It doesn't mean you're batting a 1,000 and everything's going perfect. It means as best you can, when you mess up, you just surrender it and say, God, I confess that, and you just keep following the Lord. And then you mess up again, and you, and you surrender that. And it's, at some point... I've noticed in my life there's certain things that I used to mess up a lot with. I don't mess up with anymore, but then there's new things I mess up with, so then I start doing that same kind of cycle. But I also just, he wants a humble heart, a heart that's, like, dependent on him. And so just coming to him and and offering your life to him every day and just saying, God, I I don't want to do that. I want to follow you. I want to serve you And, and following him. Let's finish the last verses here. Verse 18, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know... Whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled he who eats my bread or eats bread with me has has lifted up his heel against me now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he last verse most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me and so when he's talking about verse eighteen he says, he who eats bread with me I'm sure like commentators and and just like there's a Psalm 41 9 says uh, Jesus is probably reflecting on this Psalm that David wrote even my close friend someone I trusted one who shared my bread has turned against me and so this idea in biblical culture that, that this code of hospitality and a shared table meant that if one who eats bread with me and afterwards lifts up the heel against me this would have been like a a great deception a great betrayal I mean just imagine this like Judas was with Jesus for probably three years. For three years, he was his friend. And to me, that comes with kind of a warning for, for me, just thinking, like, I grew up in the church, and I grew up around Jesus. It doesn't mean that I, have a, I had a personal relationship with Jesus when I came to college. And so you might have grown up in the church. You might have grown up around Jesus. I mean, Judas was around him for three years, and, and he didn't surrender his life to him. And so that could be something, even tonight, you might be like, well, man, I'm a Christian. Uh, my parents always took me to church. Well, but did you put your faith in Jesus? Did you actually surrender your life to Him? Have you seen Him, uh, His the fruit of the Spirit in your life from surrendering um, to Him? And so, there's no doubt Jesus grieved by Judas's uh, choice to do this. But again, this is a great warning for us. Uh, And in verse 19, I tell you before it comes that you may believe that I am He. I just love that verse. Uh, you know, he wanted his friends to be prepared to know that it may look grim. It may look like this whole thing that they were on for three years that God was, was doing is going to end. Uh, and they're going to scatter. Uh, but he's telling them these things ahead so they would take heart. And you see later in scriptures, in, in the end of John and Acts, that I mean, they actually got it. They saw, like, they remembered. The Spirit brought to remembrance the things that Jesus shared. Right now they're still kind of like, wait, what are you doing? Where are you going? What's going on? But then, then, then it came about, and they were like, they remembered. So we want to understand that, you know, Jesus is always victorious. And his work is not finished. Although Jesus would be betrayed here in this text, what God was doing could not be stopped or defeated. And I think that's a great reminder for us tonight as we close, and the band can come back up, is that the work of Jesus continues. You know, 2,000 years later, he's still changing lives. We saw it last term, like it's inevitable, like if, if people get around Jesus, he's going to change your life. And, and maybe you're here tonight and you've never put your faith in Jesus, oh, man, I want to challenge you, you could have a personal relationship with Jesus tonight. Uh, and that might sound, great catch, that might sound uh, uh, scary uh, to surrender your life to Christ, but man, he would love to have a relationship with you. Everyone in this room, everyone, no matter where you're at, if you've put your faith in Christ or if you haven't yet, you can experience the life and the love and the hope of Jesus. And so as we go to worship, my challenge for us is, is you can choose to follow Jesus like the 11 did, or you can choose to, to reject like Judas did. And that's your choice. Um, but, man, man. I just would plead with you, like, consider Christ tonight. Consider his great love uh, for you. And there's no greater love than his love for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. It's it's so good. Such a great passage. And God, I just pray that if there's people here tonight that just need to get right with you, that they could just humble themselves and allow you to wash them. Maybe they've walked with you and they've already been, like Peter, like you said about Peter, like he's already been fully washed in a sense, but yet needed, you know, needed his his feet washed, needed needed cleansing. And, and maybe we, there's people here tonight that got away for spring break and just, just kind of feel dirty, just feel like, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And I just pray that God you would just meet them that they would just understand there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ and that there is conviction that if that's that's something that they sense that they would just that conviction that they would just turn to you And I just want to challenge you if that's you tonight just just turn to Jesus if you felt like you're distant in a way just open up your heart and just say God, would you meet me in the mess? would you forgive me for maybe a choice I made or God, I just want to walk with you. And then maybe if you've, you've, you're here tonight and you haven't put your faith in Christ, there's no greater love that you would experience, like we mentioned. Just let Him come into your life. The Bible says that whoever confesses or calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just call on the name of the Lord the best you know how, just right where you are, if you never put your faith in Christ and, and you're just like, man, I want that. I want to be saved. Just say, God, I just surrender. I just surrender my life to you. I I need a savior. I'm a sinner, and I just want to live for you. Just the best you know how to surrender. God, I just pray that if um, there's someone here tonight that does want to just surrender, that they would just boldly walk that out. That if they surrender even right now, that they would tell someone. They'd begin to follow that they'd get in a small group, that they'd ask for prayer. God, we want to be a community that just loves well and and we want to grow. So just thank you for this word, word tonight. We just give you all glory. Bless this last song in Jesus' name.
1: finish with one last um, song. Um, I know we already mentioned, like, if you need prayer, there's going to be, like, people that um, get prayer for you on the side. But Like, man, there's, like, such a seriousness with that. I was just reading Proverbs 25, and Proverbs 25 20, it says, um, someone who sings songs to a weary soul is, like, someone who removes a garment in, in cold weather. It's, like, Imagine you're like hiking like in Antarctica or something and your friend is like, Oh, hey, let me come help you. He's like, boom, and like rips off your coat. You'd be like, What are you doing, man? You know, like it doesn't make any sense. And like that just might be you tonight. And like it it might not make sense to be singing right now. And like there's people here. There's a whole room of people that are here for you and want to pray for you. And like, if that's you and your heart is heavy and it's weary. Like Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And like we all have burdens, whether you're like in the back contemplating like suicide or you're Chad giving the message or like the worship team, like we all have burdens at some time. So yeah, we're just going to um, finish with one song. But like if that's you and you have like a burden and you know it, um, I would just encourage you to get prayer. You can even just like turn to someone like right beside you and um, get prayer. So, He's gotta walk with chicken.